Nobody knows like you know who he is. For you know what he's done for you. You know how he's touched you. You know how he's blessed you. So that's the reason, you know, I'm going to worship you because I know who you are. You're the lifter of my soul. You've been my provider. You've been my protector. I wouldn't be here today if it wasn't for your goodness and mercy and grace. Oh, what a mighty God we serve this morning. Lord bless you. You may be seated. Our class, we're going to let our classes go back. It's good to see each one of you, all of our guests. God bless you for coming. Being in this service with us this morning. And feel the sweet presence of the Lord. The touch of God. The sure hand of the maker. We're just glad you come to be a part of it with us. We want you to worship with us. We pray for those Sunday school classes as teachers. That God would anoint and bless them. They, they understand the importance of putting the word of God. We just got a few minutes out of a week to... Plant the word of God into our children's heart. Amen. It's the word that will keep us. It's the word that will keep us from being t- tossed to and fro. And boy, I'm telling you the, the, the responsibility that weighs heavy upon each one of us. To impart. To be a disciple. To be what God has called us to be in the world that we're living in today. To hold true to these doctrines. And hold true to the instructions and guidance of the written word of God. Hallelujah, we know that everything that's wholesome, everything that's righteous, everything that wants to try to send forth any kind of, uh, any, any sign, amen, or any praise unto this almighty God of holiness and righteousness and uprightness. This is true, I believe, in the political realms. I believe it's true, amen, anywhere you want to look. Anything that wants to step out and really give credit where credit is due. And that's through the Almighty God. Especially through our Lord Jesus Christ as a Savior. Through our Lord Jesus Christ as a provider. Amen. There's all kind of individuals and voices. Amen. They want to tear it down. I'm telling you. Amen. If there's ever been a generation that needs to put on the armor to fight. It's this generation. I want to fight the good fight of faith. Hallelujah. The purpose of why I'm fighting. The reason I'm fighting. Amen. Would be pleasing in the eyes of God. God could anoint it. God could bless it. God would see the glory out of it. It wouldn't be the way that flesh wants to do it. It wouldn't be the way that man wants to do it. It wouldn't be the traditions of man. It'd be under the divine order and power of heaven itself. Under the option the anointing of the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Because you can't deny the Holy Ghost. You can't deny the power and the influence of it. And the anointing of it. Because you can take care about anybody. But when they get under the anointing the option of the power of the Holy Ghost. I tell you, they could shock the world. Hey, hey, hey. God's alive and well this morning, ladies and gentlemen. My, my, my. Hallelujah. If anybody ought to be excited about the times, it ought to be apostolics with revelation and understanding of what's going on. Look up. Look up. Man, our redemption's coming. The high prize and that that we're looking for. Hallelujah's coming. Where we have laid our treasures. Where we put our hope. What we're looking for is on the arising. What a time to be living for the Lord. God bless you. Fight the good fight of faith. Fight the good fight. I don't want to be just a fighter. In fact, the Word of God's taught us about being a rebel. What are God's instructions to Peter, Paul, and even Paul, 
to, Peter, uh, to Timothy and, uh, about not to be a brawler. <laughs> not to be, be angry, sin not. There is a method. There is a way that God wants us to fight this good fight. We, we sing the song. We don't fight with what? Bombs. Guns. But we fight with what? Worship. Praise. Prayer. Fasting. Obeying the word of God. Walking in the Holy Ghost. We see the examples of this with Jesus Christ himself. We see the examples of this with the apostles. Amen. Especially the apostle Peter and Paul. Both of these as well. What I would call high tempered men. Men that were subject and prone. It wouldn't take much to get them riled up. Wouldn't take much, amen, to get them, amen, to want to draw swords and <laughs> praise God and drag people to jail. If you don't like that, we'll just kill you. And find it an honor, amen, as people lay their clothes at our feet, they stone you to death. But you can't see, read what either one of these took on these actions after the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Now, watch this. Did they take the fight out of them? No. Just read at times where Paul taught in his letters when he's resisting certain doctrines and individuals of those doctrines, sometimes calling blindness upon them, sometimes casting demons out of the vessels. Hallelujah. Sometimes making the statement, not even for an hour, not even for a moment, is what he was saying. Whenever they made those statements in that time and that council meeting, we stood up immediately and, and, and stood against it. And brought forth the word of God, the heart of God, and the revelations that he received in his thumb three years of spending with God. And giving him instructions and guidance and a full understanding of the power of the revelation of the word of God. Understanding that the letter killeth, but spirit gives it life. And God, I'm telling you, I'm telling you folks, has there ever been a time that we need to be anointed by the Spirit? Amen. That we need to walk in the Holy Ghost. And we need to be the vessels of God. We're living in that world. But I'm telling you, we still, you and I, amen, with the revelation of this one God message and the baptism of the Holy Ghost can turn our community upside down. We can still see the drug addicts delivered. We can still see the alcoholics, amen, delivered. We can still see broken homes and broken lives. Men to, amen, by the power. But somebody's got to be willing to fight for them. Somebody's got to be willing to petition, amen, the heavens and the throne of God, amen, and get under the anointing, the power of the Holy Ghost, hallelujah, to be a witness, hallelujah, the hope and the real power where there's real deliverance. I'm not preaching or teaching against all the man-made tactics and means and ways of trying to find deliverance for these individuals, but I'm telling you to find true deliverance, hallelujah, you're going to find it under the power of the Holy Ghost, hallelujah, I know the AA and I've never been to it, don't know a whole lot about it, but they tell them you got to always admit that you're an alcoholic, I'm here to tell you, no, sir, hallelujah, Hallelujah. Whenever you come to Jesus Christ and repent of your sins and God cleanses and purges you, you don't have to claim to be an alcoholic. Hallelujah. I've been delivered. And when you've been delivered from it, amen, it doesn't rule you. It doesn't dominate you. It doesn't control you any longer. And when God sets you free, when the heathen son has set you free, you're free indeed. I said you're free indeed. You're not halfway. You're not done. And you got to always worry about falling back. Oh, yeah, you got to find, you got to keep up the guard. But I'm telling you, you ain't got to walk in fear and condemnation over it. I beg the difference with you by the word of God. I beg the difference with you. So that's the difference between what's, what's, what's using methods and means of man. And then having a heart and a mind and a spirit to hear what thus saith the word of God. And receiving it.
and receiving it. Praise God. Focus thought this morning. We must remember we are in a battle for what? For our souls. A soul, the soul is going to live forever. It's, it's what place is talking about. It's like unto the worm, the worm that dieth not. The soul, we, there's different opinions and discussions. Where does the soul go? What is the soul? What's it weight? What's it look like? Can you tell me the color of her soul? Can't. But soul, these earthen vessels that we put so much emphasis on and dominates and controls us in so many of our ideas and opinions and reactions. All of it's going back to dust. All of it's going back to the dirt from which it was formed and created from. But the soul. Writings of Job tells us in other places the body's going back to the mother dirt, going back to the dust, going back to the earth, but the spirit of the man is going to God. That's where I leave it. That's where I leave it. And it's God's business from there. What's the final outcome? Now, we have the doctrines in here in the Word of God, what it takes to be saved and get in a saved condition. We have in here the commandments and instructions how to keep us in that raptured condition on a daily basis because none of us knows when that moment and that hour may come and knock on our door. Nobody knows whether or not you're going to make it back to the service tonight or not. We really don't know that. Now is the time of salvation. Now is to awake out of your sleep. Now is the time to be stirred. Now is the time to make that calling and election sure. Now is all you got. Yesterday's gone. This morning's gone. And you don't have this afternoon, but you got now. And so the choice you make now. And so even here, whenever you make up in your mind and you call, or you make your calling, election sure, that means you're, you're taking on the call to fight. To fight for this, this doctrine, this truth. This ex Pentecost experience that you've had. This revelation that you've experienced of this one true and living God. Amen. So as we watch this, as instructions are given to us, even for this morning, as we watch, uh, as you look at the focus verse, 1 Timothy 6 and 12, says, fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on what? What are we all looking for? What are we uh, trying to? Eternal life. Hmm. Hallelujah. How many of you have ever went to the drugstore? You went down the aisle looking for something. It's, this will help you age quicker. This will enhance arthritis and diabetes and cancer and heart attacks and kidney failures. And <laughs> you know, I'd be the same way about my soul. I wouldn't go to places where their souls are dead already. Never been quickened. Never been stirred. <laughs> Folks, we're going to see a stern bend of Mississippi like you ain't never seen. In 2021. Stirring of the soul. Stirring about our condition. Where we at. God's helping grace and the power of the Holy Ghost. This ain't going to be a place where we're bored to come. It's going to be a place where the sleepiness is driven out of our eyes. And the complacency out of our spirit. Still using all of our energy up in six days to fulfill what we want to and do the things we want. We're going to have something reserved for that Sabbath day. 
we can come to the house of God. Amen. With a, a, a lessons on this. See, that's the fight, the good fight. You've got to be sober. You've got to be vigilant. Can't fall asleep on the watch. Can't afford to be distracted on this journey. Because we're in the fight for our soul. Soul is never going to die. It's going to live out in the eon somewhere. And there's only two final destinations. It's called the lake of fire and heaven. And even the way to get into the place. The Bible is very plain instructing us straight. That means it's narrow. It's like trying to find that body of water. But the door into it, the access to it, that you've got to, you've got to be looking for it. You, it's, it's not going to be so broad that just anybody riding by is going to can, can see it. Are you hearing me this morning? In fact, the way to destruction is broad. And the way is wide. But the way, amen, to heaven is straight. It's narrow. The Bible said, even since John the Baptist, the kingdom of heaven has suffered violence. And the violent take it by force. You got to hunger and thirst for righteousness if you're going to attain it. Amen. If you want to know this God, you got to seek him. And you got to diligently seek him. You got to want him. You got to want to have him to be a part of his purpose. You want to be a part of his call and his election, his service. A part of his kingdom. That's what a soldier's all about. When we send soldiers across the lands or even here on these lands, we do our best to what? Equip them, train them, and prepare them, and condition them. Amen. That when they go on foreign grounds, that we're going to win the battle. We're going to be victorious and overcomers. And we don't send unqualified people. Amen. We send those that are qualified and meet the standards. And now, hear me now. That doesn't mean you take special forces just because some don't finish the course. That don't make them any less of a man. They're just not qualified. They just don't have what it takes. But that don't put them in a place like, hey, we don't have no use for you. And we just throw you out of the military. And no, no, there's a place, amen. And, and they're well qualified in certain areas and certain places. And that's the same way in living for God and fighting this good fight of faith and fighting our place. I was amazed this week a gentleman come into the hardware store 75 years of age still looking to see what God wants him to do smoted me I mean to tell me we're 75 years old and we still don't have a clue what God why God's got me left here on this earth there's something wrong we're missing it we're walking in error That ain't God's will. It's like a finger or hand. It's just laying to the wayside looking, waiting on. The Lord gave us a parable of that. The different watches. Get involved. I will tell you this. The earlier you get in the fight, the better off you are. The more... Trained and uh, uh, equipped, seasoned, experienced, the more effective 
that you can be used. The power of choice. It is never get taken away from us, even after receiving the Holy Ghost. That power of choice. Even after experiencing God and the touch of God and the presence of God. <laughs> Amen. The tempter is still going to come. The carnality and the desires and passions of this old flesh is still going to have to be dealt with. It doesn't glorify this fleshly body to the place that it's never tempted or tried. And so here's where the fight comes in. This is where we're instructed in how to equip ourselves. And how that we're to get up and put on certain things. And we're to do this on a daily basis. Certain things that we need to protect a man to survive the fight. And we're going to notice in our lesson something that I had picked up on just a few weeks ago in my study. A term, a man, a conscience, conscience, the conscience itself, a man. You, you may not care a whole lot about that. In fact, most of the time what we hear, a man is probably more the negative part than the positive part. You know, let your conscience be your guide and let your, you know, let your own voice be your God and instruct you and let the stars, you know, let the star be the limit and things of that nature. But in our lesson, if you study, you're going to need there's five different consciences that's mentioned in our lesson this morning. We're going to talk about them in a few minutes and, and we're going to understand it's important to protect our own conscience and to keep it in a, 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 a place of being healthy. And now we're going to see where those fiery darts and where the enemy, a man, if he can ever strike the conscience of, the, of an individual. Because watch this. Believe it or not, now I don't know a whole lot about military. I've read a few books and uh, especially the special forces and things of that nature and just amazed and give high honor and respect to, to all of them. And, uh, but uh, um, but uh, uh, one thing sometimes is, is, is could be more fatal to winning a certain battle sometimes is actually to wound two or three than, than to kill them. Because when you wound two or three, that's going to occupy two or three others for each one of them to minister to them, to, to maybe help get them out of the battle and, and rescued. And I remember one of the, the books I read, it talked about one of the, our, our, our military men that was in battle. And, and actually he was shot. He was shot. He was going up the, the stairway and the enemy come down and shot through his mouth. And he's screaming for the rest of them to get back. Shot him through his mouth, through the back of his neck. And he refused to let his comrades help him because he understood that. Said, you fight, you fight him. And he kept his conscience and his strength. And he, he made his own way out of that battle and back to a place and survived that shot, believe it or not. Survived. Oh, God's helping us today. So how true that could be for even Holy Ghost vessels. <laughs> The enemy really doesn't want to just, just destroy you, but it's, you could be more effective. Or, Well, I'm fixing to say something. Please don't take this wrong because we've all been here. I believe I can say I, I, I've been here. Let me just put it that way. I'll take the other back. To be wounded. If you're not careful, you'll do more damage wounded. Watch this. I, I preach this. You've heard me say this before. If you're going to backslide, backslide. Don't backslide and stay on the pew and, 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 and put a, be a pretender and, and a hypocrite. And 
Now you may not understand that to some degree. I didn't say get lukewarm. I didn't say that you're just offended, but you have no intentions of backsliding. You don't have no intentions of going out. You don't have living a twofold life and, and behind the scenes and allowing spirits and doing things and, and pulling at others that's in the church. Every opportunity you get to pull them out with you. There's a difference. Okay? We've got to grow up. We've got to become mature. I'm a firm believer healthy families and healthy couples have healthy children. At least the percentage is real high. All right. How many drug addictive alcoholics mothers can have healthy children? What percentage will they have a healthy child with no hiccups, no withdrawals, no struggles? And he wasn't even their own doings. It was a choice of a mother. Same way can happen to the mother of a church. When you start talking about in the spiritual realms. This warfare and this battle that we're talking about this morning is not a physical one. It's a spiritual one. It's got to be spirit, fought in a spiritual manner. It's got to be fought in man. Uh, and, and as we go through some issues, hopefully by the help of the Lord I can. And uh, anyway. Fight the good fight of faith while we're going to lay hold on eternal life. Or unto thou art also called. That professed what a good profession before what many witnesses. How, how true this becomes, I've made this statement. If you start claiming the Holy Ghost with or without it, God and the devil is going to see if you got it. That's not all the world is going to look at you and see if you got it. They're going to look at us and see if we got it. We're going to see if we're going to hold to the standards. That's one of the major problems of our world today. I'm not trying to just be ugly here this morning by no measure whatsoever. But on the other hand, we got so many people that claim to be Christians that lives their lives sometimes worse than some of the worldly people. So that causes great confusion in those that are unbelievers. Hallelujah. Amen. Because they say, well, look, you don't live no different than I do. You don't respond to this situation no different than I do. You, you know, where is this coming from? And you call yourself a Christian. So, so it's important, amen, whenever we begin to... Uh, that. We, as we follow this and we understand the importance of this fight. And, and uh, the, the, not only if you read, go back and read the connection, the cultural connection. If you did not do it, it reads about three ladies, a man that was holding offices in the British during the World War II. When the Germans was coming in, coming into the flight. And the main thing I caught out of that whole lesson there, that little the, that paragraph of those three ladies. A man, which was a time and a point for anybody, man or woman, to have fear and to try to find a place of safety. But you know what I found out? They'd done what they were trained to do and they held their post at whatever cost we're going to hold this post we're going to hold do what we're supposed to this is how we're going to win the war this is how we're going to win the battle it's not a time to compromise it's not a time to to um uh, and so as, as we talk about this the battle the struggle that we're talking about here is your faith the fight of faith Man, the doctrines that you've been 
indoctrinated with even from a child. Hallelujah. The Sunday school lessons that, uh, that are indoctrinated into our minds and our hearts and our spirits. That's the reason so many wants your children. Hallelujah. So they can indoctrinate them with false doctrines. And, and so we're going to see some of this and the effect of some of this and the outcome of some of this. It's, it's good swine. And, and you may not like what I'm fixing to say here, but um, uh, I, I, can, I can, you know, we can see things at times. And uh, I, I was raised Methodist, okay, so that'll help your feelings. But um, uh, no doubt, amen, Methodists don't teach a whole lot about a whole lot uh, just to be honest amen just live a good life and their their idea of a good life you know may not be nowhere near what needs to be a good life but anyway uh, uh so don't take none of that wrong because even a lot of them change and you see the mess they're going to too you see see when you don't start drawing lines and you don't teach doctrines and where is the line then all of a sudden hallelujah you're going to start having homosexuals in your pulpits Splitting up a whole cold places. And they're in that right now. And I can say that. I was once there. You know, one part of them. But anyway. So the point I'm trying to make. Amen. So some of us is raised in other areas. Hallelujah. Some of those doctrines, even after the baptism of the Holy Ghost and coming to apostolic and Pentecost. Amen. Those doctrines would show up there once in a while. Where you respond to things. And where you handle and, and, and prayerfully, hopefully, none of those are, are things, amen, that will cause you to lose your soul. But yet, we just see little things that you've been always indoctrinated with. It's not, it's not easy to get things that you've always been indoctrinated with all your life. And what you've heard all your life to just, just get out, it takes God, amen. But, but thank God, same way with Paul. Paul thought he was doing exactly what God wanted him to do. He'd done it in the name of God until he got a revelation in the fulfilling of the truth of it. So, praise God. So, you and I have the responsibility after revelations, after experiencing blood washed, after experiencing the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Now, we become soldiers of, of this, this kingdom, of this call. And its priority is above everything else. Amen. Regardless of what else goes on in life, this is the top. This is the most important. And so, we understand, hallelujah, that we got to understand what. Uh, as you look in the contemplating the topic, the, the part of it says that the Christian life is what? It is a war. There is an enemy. There is a, uh, uh, the, there's weapons. These weapons are used wisely and faithfully, assure victory. If these weapons are not used appropriately, defeat is certain. If the enemy is not correctly identified, Ooh, praise God. That was one of the troubles with some of the wars we've just been in recently. Is being able to identify the enemy. If we just knew which one. What house to blow up. Without killing innocent people. You know, there's some things that should going to be left in the hands of God. In the parable of the tares and the good grain. He told those servants, he said, don't you pluck them up. It's not my business. In fact, our lesson would go on. And it talks about, it talks about the beginning of, in 1 Peter, the fifth chapter. He talks to the elders. And he claims that I'm an elder. Showing respect. To, but he goes on. He talks about those as, as bishops or pastors. And those as overseers of souls. And tells them, hey, you don't do this as, over, as overlords over God's heritage. Like, you know, you're the... Meekness, kindness, with a ready mind and a ready heart. Not for filthy lucre. This is not about money. It's about, about being who, what God wants us to be. Walking where God wants us to walk in the Holy Ghost. 
and the power of his spirit. But I'm telling you again this morning, it's not a time to be intimidated. We should never be ashamed of who we are as disciples of Jesus Christ. We should never be, uh, you know, well, I'd sure hate to know that we had a bunch of Marines and Navy guys and things of that nature. Uh, me and our women uh, that uh, was ashamed to represent America. We wouldn't mean many wars. So we can't be ashamed of who we are. Neither can we be ashamed of the call that's upon our lives. That called out separated life. Huh. How to live. Well the Holy Ghost nudged me about something in prayer just this week. A lot, of, a lot of places are changing. A lot of places that look nowhere near what they did 30 years ago. But the apostolics ought to. But the apostolics, we ought to still just look godly, modest. Because we need to be identified. It's all about identity. So to, to defeat the enemy, you've got to identify the enemy. Discernment of spirit. It's one of the gifts that's given to the church. It's being able to discern. Amen. The spirit. The reason of it. The cause of it. Even though it may come in sheep clothing. Ministers. We're warned about these things. There is a warning from the writings of Peter and Paul. About these grievous wolves that come in. Likened to them as wolves and, and lions. To devour. To tear us up. So we have to what? Recognize or identify. To be able to defeat a man. We have got to be able to do that. The next thing we got to understand. That we can't just shadow box. Can't just beat the air. Can't just, you know, we can't just come to the house of God and services and do our little tulu and speak our little language, but then walk up there and, and say just whatever we want to say and just live and just spend all of our efforts and times of no soldiers don't have that privilege. They don't have an opportunity because they in a warfare. How many days are you in a warfare? Every day in a warfare. You gotta guard up your mind, your heart, your spirit, your soul. You gotta protect it. You gotta why? Because you have an adversary. You have a devil out there. You have one that's he's not the line, but he's likened to the line. He's constantly on the prowl. He's on the lookout. He's looking for opportunities, amen, to shoot a fiery dart. One of the best ways to do that, amen, is catch you from the blind side. Unexpectedly. It's most effective. But even more so if I can use it from a vessel or from an inside job. Praise God. Our own, own military. Boy, if they get the right ones in the right places as insider spies and to spill the beans and let our technology and things of that nature, it could it could kill us if it doesn't destroy us it would definitely hinder us 
Sometimes the devil, you see, the devil knows he's not going to win this battle. You know, unless he's so deceived in himself. I heard somebody tell me just this week, say, well, if you tell a lie long enough, you'll believe the lie. <laughs> and so maybe that's the tactic with the devil. But we know what the book says. There's a lake of fire. There's an angel that's going to bind him for a thousand years. We, we know there's nothing in the book to know. Man, the devil is a loser. And all of his voices, man, and his words are lies. So, but, but I want to carry you a place. Beating the air. This is Paul's writing, calling it church. He's likened this basically unto what I would refer and others would say like our Olympics. They had the uh, same style and tile in their day of, uh, of, of, of competition. And I'm not going to read all of it, but just the last few verses of 1 Corinthians 9 chapter. Every man that striveth, a man. In other words, compete for the prize. Striveth. He's competing for the prize. Anybody competing for eternal life? That is the prize. It's a prize that all of us can, can, can gain. I realize the races that he's talking about here and others. Only one's going to tame the crown. And, and he goes on. He says, striveth for what? For the mastery is tempered in all Things, temperate means self-controlled in all things, not just some, not just in our favorites, not, but in all things. Now they do it to what? They do this, as we really attain a corruptible crown, but we an incorruptible crown. We're, we're, we're pursuing, we're trying to attain what? An incorruptible crown. We're on a journey. We're in a battle. We're soldiers, man, to win this. We know who's going to win. We just got to stay in the fight. We've already read the back of the book. We know who's going to win. There's no doubt in our hearts this morning, or in our minds or spirits today, who's going to win. The disciples of Jesus Christ. The Bible's full of it from Genesis all the way to Revelation. All the prophecies are full of it. Amen. Regardless of what comes and goes and the sufferings and the battles and, and the appearances of it and things that happen. Amen. When it's all said and done, the disciples of Jesus Christ are going to be victorious. The ones that's going to, to obtain eternal life. They're the ones that's going to receive a glorified body. They're the ones that's going to come riding back into the horses in the battle of Armageddon. Hmm. They're the ones that's going to occupy that new city, a city that was not built by man but by God. Those that, that promise that was made to the very first father of faith, a man, Abram himself. It's all part of it. Working together. And so, I therefore so run. Not as uncertainly, huh, not knowing what my goal is. It's kind of like the batter that gets up, but he don't have a clue where home plate's at. He don't have a clue, but you know what? You know what? Home plate don't mean nothing if he can't find first base. I'm glad some of you's with me. So the rest of you better. For your soul's sake. First base. You could knock a home run. You could knock it out of the park. Does he get to just go back to the batter's dugout and sit down? What's he got to do? <laughs> He's got to go and put his foot. You've got to repent. Except you believe and repent, you shall all perish. Everybody's got to repent. Huh. Oh, praise God. And you know what? He still can't turn around and go back to the dugout. If he's going to put the score. Well, it'd be a shame somebody, you know, this last ending 
Last got two outs. Tie ball game. You knock it out the park and you don't have enough sense about you to go to first and second and third base. You know, because you have been the lackness of being coached right, instructed right. To know the right procedures out. Not what man says, but what this says. To give us guidance, instructions of how. And nobody's ever exempt. And God's not going to, you know, he's not going to wink at ignorance now. Not any longer. Not since Jesus Christ has came and made a way and rent a veil from top to bottom. That whosoever will, let him come. Amen. To become a part of this fight. So hear me this morning. That's the same way with a fighter. The fighter. Amen. He's still got a, a certain basic thing. So that fighter's got to do every morning. Amen. To win the battle. Regardless of how many times he's done it. Regardless. As how seasoned he is, had a certain procedures that he's got to go through. Amen. Of putting on the whole armor of God and setting his mind and his spirit and heart in the right condition. Hallelujah. That the enemy won't get the upper hand of him. Hey, I preach it to us this morning. I tell you, if there's ever been a generation that needs to learn how to walk in the Holy Ghost and know the clear voice and true voice of God, it's this generation because we're being flooded. All kind of voices. All kind of attacks from all different areas. Praise God. So fight I, not as one that what beateth the air. But what does he do? What notice the first the most important fight of this fight of faith is is what? All said and done. Listen to the next verse of Paul. But if I keep under my body. And bring it into subjection. The desires and passions of this body. I know there's a lot of people out there that uh, would come up with the ideas that my body, you know, it's my body. I can do whatever I want to with it. It's not your body. Your body has been bought. If you're a disciple of Jesus Christ, guess what? Your body, your soul, and spirit has been bought. It's been bought with the blood. So it's no longer yours. It's representing. Let me ask you something. Our military men and women, do they just get to dress like they want to dress? Not when they're representing their, the military branch they're in. That's like the Navy guy going down in his locker and putting on the Marine suit. That may not go over too good, even though... Even though I'm still in the military and a bunch of other Navy boys want to beat him up and tell him, buddy, you get on the right suit. Now, we fought the Marines, but you're not a Marine. So I got to bring my own body. Biggest struggle sometimes that I can, for myself, is, is me. Sometimes the biggest fight I've got is, is here. Getting up in the morning time and Conditioning the mind, the heart, and the spirit. Taking the time as Ephesians 6 taught us to put on the whole armor of God. Hell and the salvation, the breastplate. Picking up the shield and the sword and the preparation of the gospel. Truth girding the loins. But this church has been equipped to fight. But not only has the church been equipped to fight, it's been equipped to win. To be victorious. 
Jesus Christ is our captain. Jesus Christ, amen, is our chief and commander. Jesus Christ is sitting, standing on the circle of this earth looking down. And, and by his spirit and by the great host of his angelic host. Hallelujah. He can, we can still call them down into our midst and into our presence. I'm no match for the devil. But Jesus is. Hallelujah. And if I'll do it in the Holy Ghost and walk in the Holy Ghost and discipline myself. What's, what's what he goes about this? But I keep under my body and bring it it unto subjection, lest that by any means when I have preached to others, I myself should become what? A castaway. I become disqualified. Doing things, seeing things, but at the end of the journey, the end of the battle, become castaway, disqualified, man, worthless. It's all said and done. What's a worthless life? It's a life that's lived without God. There's going to be some widows. There's going to be some unknown people in this world. Don't have a clue they even exist. The kingdom of God knows them. Jesus Christ knows them on a personal basis. They're great soldiers in his kingdom. They fight battles in the spiritual realm that good possibility nobody don't even know it. Not too many volunteer for this because there's not a whole lot of glamour to it. Not a lot of recognition. Not a pulpit. Parade. But yet if these few have not sprinkled out in the kingdom of God. The kingdom would not survive. Because this thing is a spiritual battle. And to be able to walk in that spirit. And to walk in it in the right way. In the right fashion. So now as we slip over and start into the first part of the lesson. And uh, we begin to watch even as the writings of the Apostle Peter. And I didn't mention some of it in the beginning of that particular chapter. As he exhorted to the elders, he encouraged us to have a ready mind and things of this nature to be examples to the flock. But pick up about the fifth verse. These four verses is what's really in the text today. And even James, James' writing is like it unto it because... As the writer brings it to our attention here this morning, that how important it is, amen, for what? As they picked it up out of Proverbs 3 and 34, the Lord resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Proverbs taught us a kind word can turn away wrath, the way it's handled, the way it's dealt with. Uh, the questions at begin with, is warfare ever a good thing? Yes, if it's what? A spiritual warfare. But a spiritual warfare is not fought like a physical one. And so one of the most important ingredients to be a successful soldier for God is to humble, submit, yield. Scripture's taught us in a number of places about what 
humbling yourself. The power lies within us. Whether or not we're going to do it. Whether or not we're going to submit. We're going to yield. We're going to do this God's way, not ours. His time, His season. As He prepares and guides us and leads us. And so when you pick up, even here in, in, in the, the Apostle Peter's writings, he says, likewise, ye younger, he's done talked about the elders and all, but likewise, ye younger, submit yourselves unto the elders. Yea, now watch this, he goes a step further. <laughs> Yea, all of you be subject one to another. Don't let age have anything to do with it. Let's submit ourselves to one another. Let's be concerned about one another. Let's provoke one another, not in anger, but what? In love. You're going to poke somebody, prod somebody. Oh, I'm, I got some scripture to back this up now. You better do it out of charity. Watch him. All of be subject one to another and be clothed with humility. Clothed with that. And, and a lot of times humility is not what we put a badge on and say, boy, I'm real humble. You know, there's a few things you can tell if a guy's really humble or not. Mess with his money. Mess with his family. Shoot his buck deer. <laughs> Slip over and shoot that turkey. You humble guy, I am. Some areas. <laughs> Find out, don't we? So, but we got to put on humility. And um, for God, what God? Who 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 resists the proud? The devil don't. He he fans them. He says, "That's my boy. Get it. You doing it? Just... I do it. God's bidding, man. I'm killing him. Yeah, the devil just fanned him on." Because he's not doing it out of charity and out of love. He's doing it out of pride. Man, you tore him up, didn't you? Yeah. I'll be honest with y'all. I don't glory in people coming up and telling me, boy, you tore me up, you beat me up. I don't glory in that. What a God in preachings about edifying, building up, encouraging. It's not about tearing down, destroying. Never gloried in heaven to correct our children any, ever, under any circumstances. I don't care how bad the situation is. I never felt any glory in heaven to correct them. In fact, if you read about your heavenly father, he'd rather not have to correct us that way. So I'd easier just to be obedient to his word. Just, just, just obey his word. That's a lot easier than raising up the child deacons and coming in here and wiping you out and swallowing you up. Then I got to pull you back out. I got scripture. It's in the lesson. Y'all watch this. It goes on. He says, humble yourself, therefore, unto what? The mighty hand of God, that he may want exalt you in due time. Casting all of your cares upon him, for he careth of you. Be sober. 
be vigilant. We're going to notice these two terms as you watch them here, even in your lesson. Amen. To be sober, be vigilant. Amen. Be sober. Amen. Uh, uh, it actually helps us to understand the term of sobriety. Sobriety means to be sober. In other words, not to be intoxicated. And, and when you start talking about the spiritual warfare, they, he's talking about your mind. He's talking about your heart. Amen. That it wouldn't be intoxicated with the spirits of this world. Intoxicated, amen, with, with voices and doctrines and ungodly. With, with doctrines, it could cause you, toss you to and fro. Amen. That's a reason it's so important to have the true word of God anchored down into our souls, our minds, and hearts of why we believe what we believe and, and what we're at and things of that nature. But that's not the only thing. You're going to notice as we go on in this lesson, if time would allow us this morning, hallelujah, there's, there's also as good soldiers that there needs to be a, a certain amount of tolerance toward one another. Keep us from destroying one another. I'm telling you, everybody's not going to see eye to eye about every little single thing. Everybody don't think you ought to drive a Toyota. I can ask some out here who thinks you ought to. I'm asking others you think you ought to be driving a Ford. What's the matter with you, man? Others said, huh, if it wasn't a Chevrolet, it's dead on the road. I mean, you just got all kind of. But sometimes that same spirit can slip into the church. You ought to wear it here. No, you ought to wear it there. You ought to eat this. No, you shouldn't eat that. I can't believe you're going there while you're going somewhere else. Can't believe you got that color on while you're wearing something that's. Well, you're struggling with something. This, problem don't, this guy don't have no problem with it, but yet you got something over here. In fact, we're warned by the scriptures that we better be very, very careful in judging our brothers because we're judging the law. And we're, none of us is a judge of the law. Only one does that. You better, better either, either word. I'm telling you, folks, I've, I've warned us and warned us. You better watch our little conversations outside this. That record book don't stop just when you're in here. He's keeping a good record. In fact, he keeps such a good record to their imaginations, the very thoughts. I'm talking about being soldiers fighting the good fight, fighting the good fight, every day fighting the fight, every day on the guard, every day put a watchman at my door, a bridle upon my tongue. Every day, because it's going to mean something. This term fight can also be taken. You can say it in the right situation. And the right thing happened afterwards. All of a sudden, man, you. <laughs> so. Watch, watch the next part as he goes on down through that. We're talking about sobriety and he talks about. Uh, he goes on. He said it represents clear thinking to recognize one's complete dependence upon God. And to cast all of one's cares upon him. We're depending on him. We live and move by him. We put one step in front of the other by him. I don't have nothing to boast in. I don't have nothing to brag in. If it wasn't for this, this goodness and mercy of God. Hey, I really don't stand a chance against the devil. He can beguile, trick me, amen, and, and, and put snares at, uh, uh, and, and catch me before I even know what to do. If it wasn't for his goodness and grace and mercy. And for his, his hand and his spirit, amen. So the power of choosing, amen, to pray or not. The power to choose to read my Bible or not. The power to do these things that keep me in a place. Huh. To 
keep me in a condition. And so we got to be sober. We can't, we can't be drunk off of the things of life and the affairs of life. And we get, can't get entangled in the affairs of this world. You can't be entangled in that and keep the good, clear conscience and a clear mind in God's business at the same time. Can't do it. That's what he's telling us. That's the reason your soldiers don't have free course with cell phones in their back pocket to call mama anytime they want to. They may be distracted with a phone call when bullets are flying by and kick and cause their brother to be killed. Because they was distracted. I wanted to make mention of this. I know time's slipping away on me real fast here, but he talks about devour. Devoured, to be devoured. And he talks about being swallowed up. And he gave us even several scriptures with this particular term. Being swallowed up. And, and one place talking about in Matthew, the 23rd chapter, he talks about gagging a gnat, swallowing a camel. Some believe that Jesus was just talking out of exaggeration there. Trying to get a point across. But you know what? When you really put a thought to that. Some people get hung up on things it's so small and minute. And they turn around and swallow a camel. Ain't nothing to that Jesus name. But that ain't what? Just swallowed a camel. This Bible's full. Especially in the New Testament book of Acts about the Holy Ghost. And the must of it. The must of it. But even you and I, if we're not careful. While we're gagging. Throwing up. I'm sorry. Over gnats. Which, which, which was not pleasing to God. Don't get that wrong. Dead flies in the apothecary causes a stink. Okay. But we can get choked up over something like that and then turn around and swallow a camel. So that's, that's what he's telling us. You got to you know, watch when he talks about this swallowing up business. I, gotta, I want to drive there. It's, if you go on to Jeremiah, I'd love to talk about Ezekiel for just a second. Conspiracy. Of her prophets in the midst thereof are like a roaring lion, a roaring lion, amen. These, these spiritual leaders, I'm going to tell you something. You and I, we all need to be very careful who we choose to be our spiritual leaders. Who we're going to set before and put our confidence, uh, the outcome of our soul, the outcome of eternal life. That's what this battle's over. The fight of faith is what that we might attain eternal life. We have not attained that yet. We're soldiers, we're in the process, we're headed in the right way, it's straight and narrow, amen, and that's what's laid up, and we don't have to worry about far as man stealing it, taking it from us, or it never happening, it's going to happen, but the goal for you and I is to stay in the fight, without being swallowed up. We live in a world today that's doing its best to swallow up anything that has any kind of reflection of righteousness and godliness. 
They want to bombard, attack, and overwhelm it. Spiritual world that we're battling against is coming from all sides and all directions because he's the prince of the air. He's using every technology and every method, every opportunity he can to bombard. So that's the reason we got to be vigilant and sober. If you notice Paul's writings and the apostle Peter, both of them warn us, except, especially when you see the day approaching, the end time. You, you've got to gird up. You've got to, you've got to, you've got to be careful what you you let your eyes see what you let your ears listen to and what you believe to be the facts it's hard to get facts anymore everybody can't be right somebody's wrong that's the same way in the church too all these beliefs can't be right Some of the things you and I believe may not be so when we really dig into the scriptures. Can we eat meat? Is there any where in the scriptures that may, may hinder us from eating meats? Trapping Yana. You read your lesson, read your scriptures, you're going to see, yep, there he is. Paul said, I won't eat any meats on this earth. If it's going to offend my brother. I believe in one God. Believe in one Lord Jesus Christ. I don't believe idols or nothing. I believe I can go in their tent and eat meat. But if it offends my weaker brother. And cause him to lose out with God. Then I will not eat meat. I'll be the mature saint of God. And I won't criticize them. I won't downcast them. I won't make little of them. Because I want my brother to make it. Because God died, Jesus Christ died for him as well as he did me. Because knowledge buffets up. Revelation and knowledge could cause pride and arrogance. We're not careful with ability and have a gift of knowledge. We'll look down on other people's cause. They don't walk like we walk and think like we think. But charity covers a multitude of sin. That's what Paul taught us. What he instructed us. Charity. The true charity of God. Huh. Love the Lord thy God with all the heart, soul, mind, and strength. And a neighbor as myself. So, as, well, there's a balance to this. A lot more people realize, I believe, uh, of, of walking and accomplishing. You can go to 1 Corinthians 8 chapter if you want to. Debate me on that. If you want to, don't feel real comfortable about what I just said. Go to 1 Corinthians 8 chapter. He talks about it. Romans, the 14th chapter, talks about it. Talks about he that's weak will eat herbs. And he warned us in the beginning of that chapter, 14 and 1, said, Don't you call him in there for, you know, and, and, and just for debates, argument. didn't do that I'm, I'm trying to cover some areas quick here anyway so what are you talking about swallowed up it's trying its best the world that we're living in the times that we're living in and um, even if we're not careful we're pronged and subject to even attack one another at times 
and devour one another. And all this causes what the lesson brings to our attention today. And I know I'm not getting far here, but he talked about five conscience in the Bible. As you watch these conscience, the conscience. Uh, conscience is actually an adjective. It means to be aware of yourself or the world around you. How many of you remember 9-11? How do you remember that we was under, if my memory is searching right, colored code? Certain colors, we was under what? More of alert. How many of you found yourself, especially if you was going to get on a plane, look around and see who's getting home with you? Well, I hope they checked them out good. <laughs> and at times we did. If you looked the, the part, dressed the part, to fit the descriptions that caused the 9-11 bombing, you would be prone to what? Be pulled aside and examined. Oh, praise God. Hallelujah. Woo! I had a preach right there. You as apostolics and Holy Ghost filled people is prone and subject to be pulled aside by the spiritual world and tested and scrutinized and, and see if you really got the goods or not. Paul war, Peter warned us and said, don't take to some strange things, all these fiery trials that seem to be coming in from all directions. It's part of the call. It's part of being a soldier. It's part of being a faithful soldier. But we're still going to stand true to the call, to the election, and to the service. But the only way I can do that is to protect my conscience. Living in a world today, feelings get hurt quick. I'm not, I'm not believing that. It's real. It's genuine. Okay? We all got feelings. We all got conscience. We all can offend us and hurt us and misunderstandings. The devil's an expert at that. He really is. And that's, that's, I mean, he's, he's the prince of the air. He can twist, distort. You could say something, not meaning it the way somebody receives it. They could be a thousand miles off of what you had intended. But it's hard to persuade that individual otherwise once they believe that. So, as you watch this part of the lesson. A weak conscience and a wounded conscience. The first two, I believe, works real close hand in hand. In fact, the same scriptures are used on both of these particular uh, consciences, amen, that we're talking about here, especially when you look in, as I mentioned, First Corinthians 8, chapter, we go to the seventh verse, we bypass some, Howbeit there is not in every man what that knowledge, knowledge of what? About idols, about eating meat. Man, we don't think nothing of it anymore, we just bless it in Jesus' name, a lot of people don't even do that, they just eat it. Hallelujah. Praise God. But thank God we still take a little time and bless it and try to train our children to do the same thing. You know, take a little time and bless it. And they may do it looking around and doing everything else, but praise God, at least it's a process. But anyway, hallelujah, we try our best to do that. So, but, but for, for some with conscience of idols unto this hour, eat it as a thing offered unto idols. And their conscience being weak is defiled. Their conscience being weak, it is defiled. Things that you can't. Pray far and ask and live far without a defiled conscience. Watch this. It's sin. Sin to that individual. Cause them to waver. Cause them to lie. So, so he goes on. He talks. Let me drop down about the levers. So, and through thy knowledge shall the weak brother perish for whom Christ died. Should he perish? Huh. 
I remember a certain thing came up one time, and it's been years ago, and it's, it's, it was actually on the campgrounds, and um, it was over music. Finally, one of the brothers really making a stand against it said, hey, y'all just consider me the weak brother. Y'all want to. I don't care. He said, but that music there won't do. And I had to agree with him. It wasn't, wasn't right. It wasn't pleasing. And uh, it wasn't necessarily he was a weak brother. He was just willing to take that as an avenue to help some of them understand, hey, you, y'all better wake up. Realize where we headed. Where we headed with this music. And when we lay out you know, on the pulpits, and it don't matter if it's preachers and grandpas and presbyters, grandchildren and whatever. Huh. You're going to pollute all of us. That's what we're trying to tell the White House. When you start pushing agendas, it's not a political thing to us. It's a spiritual thing. And when we as a nation turns our face on God, God. No nation that walks with him. The curse of God. It's not about a political thing to us. It's a spiritual thing. And it's far different. And so... Again, I've mentioned that of, of Romans of 14th. And when you drop down to 17th verse on that particular one. For the kingdom of God is what is not meat and drink, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. For he that in these things serveth Christ is accepted to God and proved of men. Let us therefore follow after these things which make for peace and things with, where then one may edify another. So it's better, you know, you know what? That's what Paul he gave that example all said and done. He said, I won't eat it if it'll keep peace. Because the kingdom of God is not really meat drink it's in the holy ghost it's where it's at it's it's not it's not even jesus told he says it's not what goes in the mouth that defiles the body it's what comes out that defiles the vessel hmm. you can't use the vessel as a soldier to do what we desire outside of his kingdom we can't just be a sunday Soldier. <laughs> we have to be one all the time in all situations. We can, and I know my time's up, but we must remember that the soul, you know, the soul is a battle. That's what it's about. It's keeping our soul, not to become, uh, there's warnings about that. The last part of the fight, the good fight of faith, the good fight. Is there such a, a thing as a good fight? Yes. Let me ask you, let me say this. There's also good fights that you just don't win it the way you think you should have won it. It didn't come out like you had planned and thought that it would have. Anybody ever witnessed a good fight in in high school? Neither one really won, but it's a good fight. Most of the time, you know, that's probably the end of it too. Most of the time. Especially back in our day. This day and time, who knows? They may bring bombs, blow up the school, but that's the spiritual world we're living in. The way they think. That's what Hollywood has developed. Encouraged. Because we made heroes out of them. The wrong type. When's the last time you heard anything about a kid being a preacher at school? Okay, I'm just trying to prove my point. I'm sorry. <laughs> spiritual world we're in. Because the spiritual world affects the way we think. Our ability of logic. Reasoning. So, there is. There is there's, there's times when, when a warfare, yes, we need it. And there's the times of a fight. 
and we need it so but we got to make sure what we keep it right first we flee the things that distract us as our enemy does his work the specific things paul had in mind prescribed here what jesus admonished he said but godliness with contentment is great gain but godliness with contentment be content with godliness and whatever it costs you to attain that and hold on to it that's what you do what are the weights you got to lay down to keep it to preserve it keep it in contact for we brought nothing into this world and it is certain that we can carry nothing out having food and raiment let us be there with content how many of you are content with just food and raiment I would have smiled too. I would have just smiled back. Mm -hmm. Praise God. <laughs> Hallelujah. Can I be honest? Most of us are not. We like toys. <laughs> Probably too many of them. But they that will be rich fall into temptations and a snare. And into many foolish and hurtful lusts. Which drown men in destruction. Notice the term drowned. Notice back at the beginning of the lesson we talked about being flooded. Bombard. There's a term that used that no one ever wants to hear across the radio waves. And whenever you got a battalion that's out, or even maybe if it's four men and the special forces, they never want to hear the terms, we're being overrun. That means the enemy is so many and they just gobble them up. Going to swallow. The spirits of this world is trying to swallow us up. And there's only one spirit. That can help us keep that from happening. And it's the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Your spirit. Your logic. Your education. Your talents. And your abilities. Cannot outmaneuver the devil. Only the Holy Ghost. Can outflank the devil. And all of his maneuvers. Traps. Wiles is what the Bible calls it. Snares and traps. And nobody's exempt from it. Nobody's too young. Nobody's too old. If you claim to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. And you fight the good fight of faith. And you want to hold on to eternal life. The devil's out to get you. He's out to rob you. He's looking for a moment to affect your conscience. So let's watch this for a minute. I want to go back to him. So a weak conscience or a wound conscience. If you go back and read those scriptures. It helps you to really understand. Uh, of what's going on there. Like how that can happen. The next one was a burnt out or a sheared conscience. First Timothy 4, 1 and 2. It talks about how, how would this happen. These individuals. This is individuals actually in the church that have the Holy Ghost. Living for God. And, and possibly pastors and spiritual leaders. But they became 
uh, subdued by spirits and doctrines of devils. And their conscience became sheared, calloused, untouchable even by God, by his word or spirit. And if that can happen to preachers in the five-fold ministry, please, ladies and gentlemen, don't think it can't happen to you. And what happened? You know, what, who's, you know who's a good thief? You know who's a real good thief? It's somebody that comes into your home and your place and takes some of your valuables and leaves. And you don't know it until three or four weeks or three or four months down the road. And you look for them valuable. And they're gone. You didn't even know. And that's exactly what's happening. If we're not careful. All of a sudden, down the road, ways. Begin to look around and say, we're not what we used to be. There's some things that was very valuable to us, but we don't seem to possess them now. We don't seem to have them operating among us as they once did. How often do you hear of the gifts used? I'm not really, because we're pushing back towards some of that. And I think we have to be careful doing that. But that don't mean we abandon them. Just because they're subject and prone to be misused. I wish I could think of something. Somebody told me this the other day. Good gracious. I'm going to ask them again to tell me. And I'm going to ask them to be odd if I use it. <laughs> yeah, they said in the mamas, but that's okay. Uh, anyway. How many wants to be used for the Holy Ghost? And to be used for the Holy Ghost, it, that means in these earthen vessels, right? Well, these earthen vessels, believe it or not, can get out of line. Sometimes... Just out of zeal, sometimes whatever. So that's the reason, if you notice, Peter and James made it clear to us about humility, humbleness, meekness. Making sure this is a God thing, not a we are more thing. Sheared. Sometimes I believe some of these, especially in the five-fold ministries, because their ministry and their churches and their finances, and the list can probably go on, hadn't become what they wanted, so they become sheared and they begin to look for other avenues and means and ways. I'm going to tell you something. If you, you pastor, evangelize, or whatever, you win one soul, if you win a thousand, if they all really got the Holy Ghost and they make it, you're successful. You, you've heard the story about Brother Pew anyway. I won't go to that one, but, but evil conscience. Hebrews indicated that this was actually trained to believe that Christ plus obedience to the law. Go back to Moses, Acts 8, 15, chapter. You're going to see a time uh, there where, where certain Judaizers, amen, that apparently had got the Holy Ghost. But they were still attaching that you had to do certain things under the law to be saved. And so it became such a big ordeal. They had a first conference meeting, Acts 15, chapter, to correct that, especially for the Gentiles. Praise God. Tolerance. Conscience. Keeping it. Hey, all this ties together. If you read your lesson. I know I'm running out of time. I'm probably past it. But, but listen to me, folks. Has there ever been a time that uh, 
as we walk in the Holy Ghost, as we are the vessels of God and have an intolerance toward one another and loving one another. And, and, and you know, uh, sometimes uh, we're prone to, uh, you know, Paul could easily said, you bunch of ignorant folks, you know, uh, you know, you, just because you won't eat as meat, I'm going to go in this temple. I'm going to eat meat anyway. And, and you know what? To some of them, it was sin. But to Paul, it wasn't. But his love and care for his brother wouldn't allow him to do that. But notice what he'd done. There's, there's a couple of places in Scripture. I wish, um, and I know I've done one all over the place. But in Paul's writings, two different times, he mentions about his own conscience and how he kept his own conscience. Watch this. One time he says, I kept my conscience toward man. Another time, the next time he talks about, he come with, and it was all about keeping a clear conscience. I kept my conscience toward man and God. You got a good conscience toward God? You don't hold him, but, you know, because he didn't intervene, stop something. Or already... Brought it a pass. You've got a clear conscience with all your brothers and sisters. No, no, nothing there to. Uh, because really to believe that God can hear and answer your prayers. You've got to have a clear conscience. It's a lot deeper than what you're thinking. I'm telling you folks. A clear conscience. And Paul guarded it. He worked at it. He stayed on top of it. Keep my conscience. Because see, Paul could have. When they offered him the right hand of fellowship. He could have shipwrecked. But God had a Barnabas. But you know what? Barnabas could have shipwrecked when Paul took over. Barnabas could have shipwrecked whenever he said, I'm not taking John Mark. Of course, he didn't say that. He just said it wasn't good. So I just don't think it's good. I'm talking about being soldiers now. Fight the good fight of faith. Good conscience, man. This is where I think a lot of the scriptures at maybe uh, in Acts uh, 23, 24. I'm, I'm sorry, time. But anyway, when you go back up the evil conscience, hey, we all believe that our conscience is cleansed by what? The blood of Jesus Christ. There's no salvation outside of the blood of Jesus Christ. That blood being applied to our lives. Through what? Through a watery grave. Baptism in Jesus' name. That's how this blood's applied to wash away. This is what keeps the death angel out of our lives. This is what kept the death angel, amen, out, out of the Israelites. Same way in the New Testament. It's the lamb, the blood of the lamb that washes away all of our sins, makes us white as snow. Our conscience. As we stand here today. Got a good conscience this morning? Everything washed out of your conscience? Got a good conscience toward man, toward God? It's important. Go back and read this lesson if you dig into it, the word of God. You're going to see a man that uh, conscience, uh, you know, uh, these, these conscience, you know. Have any of us ever found ourselves in the struggle, in the battle? Because notice what the writer said at the last of that. Only the good conscience is helpful in spiritual warfare. Any other will only complicate our battles.
Hear me. If you're in a spiritual warfare this morning and it's been a little complicated, I want to help you out, your pastor. Start examining your conscience. And be honest with it. And let it be honest with you. And then start working on it as the scriptures have taught you. If there is a problem to get it right. If you don't, then you're just going to constantly. And could this be a method how that he can wear out the saints of the Most High? You ever get tired of fighting the fight? Or is it you just get tired of fighting the same old devil? And the same old spirit? And the same old battle? Not to see a difference or change in it. Men and women don't get fired of fighting as long as they're winning. At least ever so often. As long as they know they're selling some things and getting it right with God and the word of God and with themselves. You ever been bogged down? You done everything you could to get out of it. Finally just come to the place that I'm about to call somebody. I'm about to walk out and get somebody. I'm about to do something. We can get bogged down in life. We can get, we can get bogged down in the kingdom of God. Trying to do what God wants us to do. But we really get bogged down in trying to deal with life and, and, and do all those and God stuff. But he'll hear our cry if we'll just be honest and sincere and without arrogance or pride. Good soldiers are going to do what? First of all, he's going to submit himself. Our good soldiers submit themselves to the chief and commander even when they don't even like him. Because they, they, that's not the ones really calling all the shots in a way. They're working for generals and others. And sometimes they may have more confidence in them than they. Because how they've been trained to win the battle. You know how special forces, I remember reading one particular area, they was training others in other countries. Trying to work with some of their men. And they went on the, a battle time with them. Said when their helicopters land and they hit the ground running. Said whenever the bullets went to fly and said those other men fled and run. While our own men, it wasn't even their battle ready. It wasn't even on their grounds. But they went in because they had been trained and taught. You go to the battle. You go to it. You stand opposed and you go to it. You drive. 